All right. Hello, and welcome to Medium Salt, the podcast where we ponder the many faces of Nicolas Cage in the 90s. I'm one of your hosts, Kate, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and fellow host, Matt. Today, we're discussing the 1997 film Face Off, directed by John Woo and starring the faces of both Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. But first, banter. How's it going, Matt? John Woo, you goddamn weirdo, get the fuck out my house. (laughs) Yeah, that's an appropriate uh, statement for how I'm feeling about John Woo. Um... He was kind of worshipped for a bit as like a god director, and I don't get it. Yeah, I really well, I mean, don't. He, he was uh, in the nineties, particularly like late late eighties, nineties. He was considered like a really great action movie director. He has like a his pedigree of like you know he he was a Hong Kong cinema filmmaker and came over did started making U.S. films, Hollywood films, and like that's all a really big deal. Um, and, and, you know, some of his films I remember as being entertaining, but like now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he did Mission Impossible 2. And, he and, did. And, and, and that was, you know, a fun movie. Uh, and, Face Off know. was his first main Hollywood movie, right? Um, I think so. I think that's what I read. Yeah, I think that, uh, it was certainly it. was the biggest. His er- Well, I don't want to say his earliest big hit because like it was 97. Yeah, who's making movies in Hong Kong before that, but... Yeah. For me, this is kind of another True Lies, only not quite as egregious with the actual plot. Yeah. Well, kind of also still a little bit? Well, there's definitely some things. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like the weird obsession this film has with fucking other people's wives. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Like it comes up multiple times. Yep. So as I was watching this film, I kept thinking, man, whoever wrote this film has never had a human relationship like <laughs> with a child or a parent or a partner or at work or anything. No, they've never spoken to a human being. It's like if aliens came from space and we're like, we're going to make an action movie where we switch two characters faces. And then because humans are dumb, no one will notice, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's funny you say that because the right one of the writers of this film was also a writer on The Mask, <laughs> which is like another kind of like big like oh my god story. Like that's another movie we need to cover just because of like how egregious yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. Um, and then like other than that, like the writers have done other things, Lara Croft. Tomb Raider in 2001. Also bad. Apparently there was a Curious George movie in 2006. Well, I mean, the yellow hat guy and Curious George have a very strained relationship, so I'm sure that that came across well. (laughs) Yeah, but other than that, like, the writers, I don't think they've really done a whole lot. Uh, It takes a long time to travel from outer space. They probably made enough money on Face Off. They're just like, yeah, okay. That's essentially what one of the mics said. He was broke before. It was Kaliri or something. Mm. He was broke before. And then he said, ever since Face Off, he's been, he's been not broke. And I was like, well, that's good. Uh, it had a budget of $80 million and it brought in $245 million worldwide, which is yeah. you know, not chump change. That, yeah, it's a really uh, good. 
It's uh, perplexing to me, but the 90s, I'm going to say maybe everyone was just on coke and everyone thought this is the best movie ever because apparently they did. Like it actually won an award for the writing. And (laughs) well, that's the nuts thing. Like, I think like at the core of this film, there's actually like a nugget of a really solid idea. Yeah. But then like. It felt like that there were multiple people trying to pull that idea in many different directions. Right. And so and now it's just a, with, a muddy mess. Right. And and so like I will say, the reason this film is so popular, I think, is that there are like these bits of gold in the film. Like Cage does the perfect cage performance. Like the hammy, over the top, cheesy, mm-hmm. crazy, wacky, zany, Nick Cage bullshit is like in this film, but it's not in this film enough. It's like every once in a while you get a scene where Nick Cage does Nick Cage stuff and it's awesome or hilarious or whatever. But then you're watching like 40 minutes of fucking terribly shot gun shootouts and like (laughs) nonsense action, which doesn't even make sense. And like, this is a John Woo film and he's supposed to be like this big action guy, but like the action scenes in this film are easily the worst part of it. They don't make any sense. The worst part of the film. I completely checked out of most of them. Which, to be fair, is not uncommon for action movies for me, but... Yeah. yeah. I love a good action film. This film is, like, I I wish I... When I I was rewatching for this podcast, I really wish I had just, like, skipped through them. Right? I actually had that thought while I was watching the movie. I was like, you know, you could probably condense the entirety of this movie, minus the action scenes, down into, like, 15 minutes, and then you're done. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's a two hour and 20 minute film, and I think it did not need to be longer than 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, like, act, sure. act one is almost 40 minutes long. And it, like, we don't need that long of a setup. You have a good guy and a bad guy, they switch faces, go. Like, I don't need 40 minutes of fucking bullshit airplane action fight sequences because you got a deal on an airplane oh, set that yeah, day. Yeah, but they actually you know? did really destroy that airplane, so they had to do it in one shot. That was half of their $80 million right? budget. Right, there you go. They're like, well, we really <laughs> want to destroy this fucking airplane, so. Um, there are so many action sequences in this movie. It's like, they just did that because they could. Like, it has no yeah. reason to exist. It didn't need uh, to be They the just movie. wanted to make six boats and have a boat actually throw itself into another boat. Oh, the boat? The boat action scene in this movie? I was, I was like, yeah. why are they on fucking boats now? Yeah. Poor Aaron, because he was watching it with me. He, uh... He was like, yeah, I checked out for just a second, and now they both have boats? And I was like, yep, that happened. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, inconsequential, too. It's like, they, they just run up, and the guy, all of a sudden, he's on a marina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just where... Because when I have a funeral, I want it right next to the goddamn marina oh with the seagulls God. and the bird shit and the smell of fish. Don't That's where I want to have a funeral. started about the fucking funeral. Uh, <laughs> with the birds uh, all up in the oh my god the birds church. yeah Aaron and I were like why are there all these doves in the church they're just everywhere doves what what's happening right. is that what people think Catholic churches are See, like there's just doves and, everywhere and it's one of those things like we're, we're like talking about it now is funny because of how stupid it all is but when you're watching yep. it it's fucking boring it's so goddamn boring oh and it's just like fucking weird and like an eye roll like yeah even so, the very opening scene of the movie is John Travolta sitting on a carousel with his son, and like this yeah. disgustingly saccharine 
we're supposed to be touched kind of way where he is like, oh, look, I have this this child with me and the music is all like and and poor Travolta is like just he's acting his heart out this whole goddamn movie he is he's taking it way too seriously and so like of course there's like the cutest little boy in the whole world and John Travolta is like oh look at this my progeny as we're on this carousel for some godforsaken reason with none of the rest of the family present and um, that's the first time we get to see the fucking weird ass thing that they do the whole movie where they run oh, the yeah. hand down the face. So yeah. like John Travolta, if you have not seen this movie, and this is one of the reasons I'm convinced that no human being has ever, uh, no, no, none of the human beings that wrote this have ever had a relationship with another human being. Yeah. I, I have a thought on this, but you go ahead and make your yeah. point. Basically, so what he does is he puts his hand up over the other person's face, right? For this time, it's his his child. And then he just runs it softly down their face, kind of touching a little bit, but sort of like you'd pet a wall if it was made of cat fur, but also weird. I don't know. It's really hard to describe. If you see mm-hmm. it the first time, you're like, ah, that was fucking weird. Why would you do that? But they keep doing it for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. That's his thing. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So John John Travolta is a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, isn't he one of the head Scientology dudes? Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big fucking weirdo. And um I would say almost criminally so if you're involved in Scientology at a high level. Absolutely. So I w- I would bet like dollars to donuts that was like a Travolta idea. Like <laughs> so like I'm sure in the script it was like you know, like fucking Archer does loving gesture to son that we do through the whole movie right. so that we identify Archer even when he's Nicolas Cage. And, right. and Travolta's in there is like, you know what would be really intimate? I just touch your face. <laughs> yeah, I am 100% <laughs> with you. Because like, I get it. You need a gesture that seems a gesture or a phrase. This film is full of like weird shit that like I'm sure the actors came up with and put in the <laughs> film. And John was just like, yeah, okay, as long as I get to have my boat scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The whole time, every single time it happened, I cringed, especially as myself, a person who wears glasses. I'm like, so you just never have anyone in your family who wears glasses because you will smudge them every time and they will hate you. So. Well, you know, if if you really loved each other, you you just look through the smudges <laughs> as you gently pet each other's faces. Yeah, in a super awkward way. Ugh, I don't even know where to get started with this film. But yeah, so you, that opening you know, you scene, can't. it's just too ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, and it's like this weird combination of taking itself too seriously and then switching that seriousness off when yeah. it feels like. Right. So like in the opening scene, it feels like, oh, my God, this is so fucking serious. This relationship with his son is huge. And then we have Nicolas Mm -hmm. Cage with his absurd mustache and his drinking from a straw bullshit where he's about to assassinate John Travolta. And so he's both right. Like you've got you've got the serious moment and you've got fucking juice box assassin. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. With the mustache. Oh, my God. And so he shoots John Travolta, and of course the bullet goes through John Travolta into the sun, and then John Travolta falls to the ground. Somehow the sun gets thrown five or six feet away, and John Travolta Mm -hmm. 
crawls despite his bullet wound in his abdomen towards his son and is like, no, my son. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is really sad. Or it would be if this were not fucking hammed up to the nines. Like there's literally a shot of balloons floating off into the sky. I right. saw that That's, and I so burst you know. into laughter. Yeah. I was like, it's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. There's like yeah. blood on the carousel horse. And I'm like, all right, you need to simmer yeah. the fuck down, John. Wood. And we're laughing, but this film plays it all like really serious. Yeah. Also, like, and that's one of the things like the, the, the soundtrack of this movie is like so dead on, like so dramatic. It's so like mm-hmm. dramatic and serious. It does not fit the movie at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's so like this movie is so schizophrenic yep. when it comes to that. Let's also mention the fact that Nicholas Cage is supposed to be an international terrorist and also an assassin, which are two very different skill sets. And oh, he's like all over the place. Yeah. He's and he's bad really ass. bad at it because clearly John Travolta was still alive and he didn't right. shoot again, right? He's like, oh, right, well, yeah. I guess that did it. He really wanted to kill him for some unknown reason, right? Like, yeah. I don't know why you would be an international right. uh, Listen, I spent, all my, I spent all of my bullet money on juice boxes. <laughs> on this juice box. <laughs> I thought I'd only need the one. Yeah, and, and I was really thirsty. for my mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. And also, it's never explained why at the beginning. Why did he want to shoot this one random FBI agent? Listen, the FBI a is a fucking... Guy. Yeah, the FBI is a fucking bureaucracy. No mm-hmm. one in the FBI individually matters, right? Yeah. And well, this, so, this movie is like... It's, it's all like opposite of Save the Cat. Like mm-hmm. we don't establish that Archer is a good guy, we establish that Cage is a bad guy. Right. Well, and I mean Archer, we're Archer. just supposed to believe he's a good guy because family and general family values and we also, have the it's juxtaposition the 90s and he's law enforcement, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's in the FBI, of course he's a good guy. Okay. But he's in a secret division of the FBI that's so secret they can't get anything done. Which is, <laughs> which is very hilarious. useful. That's yeah. that's very good. Which uh, actually comes off as kind of fashy later. Yeah. Because uh, they're talking about like it, the whole the film is just like justifying government overreach over and over mm. and over again. Until yeah. at the end there's literal FBI hit squads just killing people indiscriminately. Yep. All over the world. Blitzkrieging. And this is like, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well well, but Matt, they're bad guys. Right. There are only two types of people in the world. Good yeah. guys and bad guys. So Yeah. Um, which is a complete undermining of one of the, if you want to say that this film has messages of one of the film's messages, which is if we switch places with a person who we see as diametrically opposed to us, we actually Mm -hmm. do still have those traits, right? Yeah. Like when we see our characters switch places, we see them starting to enjoy their new roles and understanding those different parts of themselves that could have been. Yeah. I mean, the, the film definitely touches on those things, but doesn't commit to any of it. It doesn't. It doesn't commit to any message. Which makes me wonder if that was like a cage thing. Like, I feel oh, like cage Nick Cage like that? added some of that. Like, he's like, hey, I need a scene where I have a where I struggle with my identity. Because he like, Nick Cage wants to act badly. And because <laughs> like, because you know, like Travolta's character doesn't have that issue. There's no point where Travolta's sitting there going like, oh my god, I'm my enemy's face. Rah. He's just sitting yeah. there like, I miss my old face. 
But Nick Cage is in there having like a fucking crisis of identity. John Travolta does do the thing where now I can be an American hero, which makes no sense because he was an international terrorist. It's only later that they're like, oh, yeah, I can be an American hero. And also we can use this to our advantage by destroying our enemies. But first he's like, yeah, but what about me being an American hero? Because he's telling his brother right after he gets out of prison. It's like, oh, yeah, because that's obviously a thing that you want to do. You're a human being. You could have been an American hero from the beginning if you wanted, right? Like, right. Oh, like the whole the motivations and the plot line of this film is all very, very hazy. None of yeah. it makes any sense if you think about it for more than a minute. Yeah. Like, all you need to know is, like, you know, Caster Troy is bad guy who wants to do bad things because he's a bad guy. For no reason aside from the fact that he's a bad guy. And Archer is a good guy who wants to do good things because he's a good guy. And also is having a crisis of identity for some reason. And also revenge his son's death. Yeah. You know. And I can't really speak to how one would grieve a child. Right? Because Mm -hmm. they... We we see most of the movie happens... I mean, the entirety of the movie for the most part happens six years after this child's death. Right. Mm -hmm. And we are given to believe that 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 has consumed John Travolta's character for the six years. It's ruining his marriage. It's ruining his career. Right. Like he's hyper focused on finding this one person, this one caster Mm -hmm. Troy who has a. Who who killed his son and tried to kill him. And then I guess. That was fine. Gave up after that. Like what? The whole thing. I have like so many questions. This movie is like, all right, let's practice how well you can suspend your disbelief. Um, Yeah. Like it's all, all of it is a vehicle to get to the the action scenes. Like I'm convinced. Like it's all just an excuse to get from set piece to set piece before like the Marvel films nailed that formula. Yeah. That's fair. But the action scenes are terrible. <laughs> and then it's full of, like, just ni- bullshit 90s dad movie bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you got you got the rebellious teenage daughter who's all gothed up. Yeah, but they didn't even do that well. Like, the first scene we oh, see God, of the no, daughter. Oh, God, no, because it's a shitty 90s movie. That's because they've, they've never interacted with another human being. Yeah, um, let alone really? a teenage girl. Oh, God, yeah. So, the first time we see... You know, John Travolta come home from the family or to his family, right? To his wife and his daughter. Um, And John Woo's defense, I think some of the writers wanted to replace, uh, what was the actress's name? I can't recall. Of the mom. Oh, I I don't remember. She's also in Pleasantville, which is really good. I remember seeing her in stuff, but never as like a big Joan, name yeah, Joan Allen. Um, yeah. She's great. She's actually probably one of the better actors in this movie, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, but yeah, so she's having this serious conversation with her teenage daughter. We only hear snippets of it, but it's like, oh, I'm always on your side. I'm just, you know. And it turns out that this teenage daughter was suspended and they never exactly say what for but she turns to face the camera and it shows like the goth makeup and she has like this horrible spider eye makeup yeah on but not and archer in, like, just goes oh of course as if that explains why. all of it like <laughs> but it's like spider eye makeup that you would 
think looks like makeup if you have never been a teenage girl. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then later in the film, they say dress up like Halloween. You're going to attract ghouls. Yeah. It's very victim blamey. Like, oh, yeah. What was she wearing? Well, to be fair, she immediately says typical, typical dad blaming me for, you know, actually, yeah. she says I get raped and you blame me. She wasn't raped she was assaulted as far as i know unless they intended it to be rape in the right but yeah but (laughs) i hope not because it is not handled well at all um but yeah like that whole thing so like he's mourning this child that he lost he's doing a poor job of being a member of the family that he has left and in some ways that's very human naturey because the things that are taken away from us too soon never end up having the chance to be difficult or bad and it's easy to idealize the past in that way you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like it's sort of like if you've had a relationship and you know when you were very young and they uh you know they break up with you or something happens or whatever and you're like oh the one that got away because you haven't had to you know realize that when you live with them they leave toothpaste marks all over the sink or they suck you know in other ways like they're jerks um, I'm being attacked. <laughs> you? <laughs> Do you leave toothpaste marks all over the sink? Because I'm the one who does that. So <laughs> no, yeah. it's not that Aaron, I'm aware of. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know. I do awful, horrible things all the time. I don't even aware. Yeah, I, yeah. I I switch through horrible things. Um, Aaron's biggest thing when we first started living together is he never closed any of the cabinet doors. Like it was, it was a, it was pathological. Totally. Like you mm-hmm. would know. If Aaron had been around because like, I swear if the fridge didn't shut itself, the fridge would just be open, but all <laughs> the cabinet doors just open like a horror movie. And I'd walk in and be like, what the hell happened in here? I don't know why. Um, and now everybody now, knows. Now everybody Aaron. knows. Well, now I find it really endearing, right? For years mm-hmm. it bugged me. And now I'm like, oh, that's hey, your weird man. touchy face thing. If Aaron ever switches faces with somebody, you're going to know it's him because like he leaves the cabinets open. Well, also just because you know a person, right? Like yeah. there's no way that you can switch just someone's face and body. Let's pretend that that's even possible. Right. Because um, like body language is a thing. And Speech like pattern. mannerisms Not just voice, and but like, yeah. shared knowledge. Like if you've been yeah. married to someone long enough to have a teenage daughter and a son mm-hmm. who you lost – and then both have to grieve. Yeah. Like, those are very deeply personal things. <laughs> and you can just replace them and have it be okay. Oh, uh, yeah. That's just not... Yeah. That's really the most unrealistic part. Like, I could almost... You know, like, the whole, okay, we're switching faces thing, cool. But then just to completely ignore the fact that you yeah. can't switch brains. Okay, so, like, the core idea of the... Like, the core premise where they're switching faces is, like... So first of all, total bullshit. Because apparently in this world, even though John Woo later goes on to do Mission Impossible 2, mm-hmm. where they have really good prosthetics and don't need to switch faces, <laughs> like th- this film doesn't work as like a as like a, a contemporary piece. Like it needs to be sci-fi, right? Yes. And like, in fact, the first writing film, of it was sci-fi. Yeah, like take this film, put it on a spaceship. Right. Or on a mm-hmm. alien planet where there, where there's weird technology and the culture is different and we don't have to like make those associations. Yep. Like this totally works. Like, oh yeah, they switch faces because technology. Yeah. Because a What's lot of funny- the problems in this film are just like, they just put in technology for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like the prison. 
Like, how does the prison work? Magnet boots. Magnets. <laughs> why? Why? That's got to be so expensive. I had that thought too. Right? I was like, why are we spending this much money just so convicts can't walk? The secret black site prison mm-hmm. is basically Guantanamo has magnet. Why? Just put them in a concrete hole. Like, right? Like, there are much simpler way ways cheaper. to be really unkind to people. <laughs> right. And it's overpopulated. You see how like crowded that cafeteria was? Mm-hmm. Like, well, how many people are them, we putting in black sites? <laughs> That's probably not a question we should ask. Well, um, like, I, yeah, well, right now it's mostly foreigners, but like how many citizens <laughs> are we putting in black sites that yeah, we have well, like we, an oil derrick that's like all of a hundred feet off the coast of the fucking yeah, California? Far enough that an out of shape uh, John Travolta, who recently underwent a horrible surgery. Yeah, could just swim to Could it. swim. <laughs> Um, a couple of comments about that. So the first writing of this was actually, like you're saying, it was an absurd sci-fi movie where most of the manual labor was done by chimpanzees. And there was like the a chi- homeless what? encampment. Yeah, a homeless encampment on the Golden Gate <laughs> Bridge. And so like, the absurdity of everything matched, right? And so yeah. that I could almost see because then it's almost like a fifth element kind of you're suspending your disbelief because you're just in this completely out of the whatever right you are taken out of your what of your life but john woo wanted to make the plot present and he says to do justice justice to the familial and emotional strands of the film and i was like wow you probably should have i don't know made any of those good right um also the metal boots that were used for the weird prison scene uh were the same that they used for the goombas in the uh, super mario Bros. fucking knew they look familiar yes! i knew it i was watching i was like oh my god i know those i know I what know. those I are thought you would, i would thought i thought you would really enjoy that that snippet yeah, because um, i really want to do that movie like yeah, I, got, I, I bought the dvd specifically so that we could do that movie Mm-hmm. Um, let's do on it podcast because i know i know that like nintendo's gonna bury that thing's existence as soon as their new chris pratt mario movie comes out oh no yeah i should probably go out and buy a copy now too because they're gonna they're they're not gonna want anyone to remember 1995 <laughs> <The horrors>. super <laughs> mario brothers with john leguizamo <laughs> and um uh uh oh, what's his face bob hoskins john leguizamo and bob hoskins uh how fun. Which was like, uh, I don't know, perfectly cast. If you ask me. <laughs> uh, another fun fact, the first actual successful face transplant happened the same year this, fam- uh, this film came out. Oh, weird. Yeah, someone accidentally shot themselves in the face with a shotgun. I have so many questions. And yeah, they actually had their face transplanted, which in real life actually looks like... It's probably hunting with Dick Cheney. <laughs> Which in real life actually looks like having large pieces of skin taken from your ass, probably, and put onto your face. You know, like it's not yeah. like it's not like in the film where it's like, well, faces are just interchangeable. Here we have this laser and this face sucking vacuum that's made to just right. take the face off. <laughs> and also, also, no protocol for for debriefing if everyone dies. Yeah, on and this, on this secret mission. Right, not very sterile either. Right, oh like, god, it's just, no, no, it's just like a. Well, here's this face in a jar. <laughs> Again, this this film really works better if it's a, just a regular sci-fi yeah, film. Yeah, they should have like... just done a weird ass sci-fi movie, which is kind of what they wanted to do, and instead mm-hmm. they were like, "Let's do that," but like today though. <laughs> yeah. And then if you took out 
if you either shortened or took out most of the action sequences, I think this film gets better. Yeah, um, I agree. Because the best bits of this film are like, first of all, the concept, you're switching faces. So you have actors pretending to be each other's character as Which well as Which they actually character. do well. Well, for the most part. So I think Travolta does it really well. I think Travolta does a really good Nick Cage impersonation and Nick Cage does a really Nick Cagey impersonation of John Travolta. Of John Travolta, yeah. Like Nick Cage just does Nick Cage and that's great. Travolta does well, a pretty John decent Travolta Nick Cage. Doesn't seem like he has a lot going on. He's really sort of like a placid lake upon which you yeah. project your own emotions. I mean, it is the problem. Like how do you how do you do a tra- Travolta impersonation? Right. Everyone <laughs> oh can do God. a Nick Cage impersonation. It's just yeah. fucking Nick Cage. He's a weirdo. You'd just be fucking weird. Um, do you want to know what I found hilarious? So while they were reading the script, John Travolta came across that line that Nick Cage says about the chin thing. Like he uh he says, Oh, I I I'm a, he he mentioned something about John Travolta's chin, right? Like mm-hmm. his ridiculous chin. And John Travolta had to get reassured by the writers that they weren't making fun of him. And they did. But I'm also like, oh, yeah, we're totally making fun of you. Have you seen your chin? <laughs> you should have, that, that's one of the most implausible parts of this movie. You can't switch faces and ignore the fact that you have like an entire county as a chin. You know? Right. Especially when like the, like the whole premise is like, you know, you guys look really similar. And I'm like, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> if they were to remake it now, if they were to remake this movie and they did fucking um, uh, fucking Harry Potter and Frodo, yeah, those Elijah would be Wood two people. Daniel could, Craig. Yeah, Elijah Wood and not Daniel and, uh, Craig. Whoa, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel, that would be a very different movie. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> they also originally wanted uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone for this movie, and I was like, okay, we're just going for guys who are big. You know. Yeah. You know. Men. Men. Yeah, so... With rebellious I mean, teenage could... daughters, a la True Lies. Yep. And you notice at the end of the film, like, the daughter is, like, backed into, like, quote, like, you know, normal Oh, yeah, quote-unquote. Like, look, look, she's wearing pretty now. clothes and everything's fine, nope. despite all of this fucking trauma. Daughter, not goth. Wife, unfucked. Son, <laughs> replaced oh my god the sun replacement do not even get fucking started so the very last scene of the movie uh we're skipping ahead a whole bunch but today we're just we're just flitting around we're all over the place because this film is all over the all over the place. place yeah so at some point while john travolta is actually nicholas cage he you know forms this attachment to one uh, i guess one of Castor Troy's actual previous love conquests finds out that Castor Troy has a biological son with this woman randomly at this point. This woman is also like in a questionable relationship with her brother. Yeah. Who French kisses her brother before they die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently that was her. John Wu, you goddamn weirdo. Get out of my house. It was the actress's idea because she was like, well, their relationship's real weird. And I was like, yeah, but we haven't really seen how weird it is. Yeah. Until the fact that you kissed him. Like, the rest of the movie, I didn't, oh. Anyway. Uh, I mean, it was kind of insinuated, but, like. I guess, like, they live together, and he cares well, about they're, her. they were really touchy, like, at the at the FBI offices. Yeah, that is also true. But also, why, though? Anyway, so she has. Yeah, like, it, it was unnecessary. Caster Troy's son, which is almost weird. a clone of. <laughs> yeah. Almost a clone of Sean's son 
from the beginning of the movie. They even have the same fucking haircut. Right, because that's not going to fuck up your head. Yeah, so Sean, looking like Caster Troy, protects this child from an FBI raid against his previous co-workers or his actual co-workers, yeah. I guess. FBI, more like FBI hit squad. Cause it was not yes. a raid. Like they didn't come in with the intent to arrest anybody. Like no. they came in like, like they wanted to kill everyone. Yeah. They were like, they, st- they shot first. Like they just yep. threw in a grenade and started shooting. They didn't even like <laughs> wait for the bang to go off and run in. Like they just like yeah. started shooting from rooftops across the street. Which is also interesting because it was under the order of Castro Troy disguised as John Travolta. So he was trying to kill all of his previous friends and lovers um, and the son he didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this little boy who's introduced and I, as soon as I saw him, I I didn't remember that this happened in the film, but I was like, that little boy is going to end up replacing his son. He looks exactly the fucking same. And in fact, the first time he sees him, he keeps saying, Michael, Michael, which is the name of his old son, not the name of this poor kid, Adam. Who's Adam, yeah. Yeah. And so the woman who's the mother of the son never learns that the caster Troy that she told this to was actually, you know, Archer. Sean, whatever, yeah. Sean Archer, yeah. And so at the end, as she's dying, she says, take care of our boy. Don't let him become like us. Yeah. To Meanwhile, Archer's make- wife is like sitting there going like, what happened there? Yeah. Like, did something did happen something? during all of this situation? Like, that, that, <laughs> that, that poor woman's going to need so much therapy. Uh, action movies don't exist in the world where therapy ha- is a thing, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the final scene of the movie, after his surgery, which apparently he, like, drives himself home from. I've got so many questions. Just so that they can have this dramatic reintroduction, right? Yeah, he's right. put back into John Travolta's body. And he shows up. By the way, we're taking care of a five-year-old again. (laughs) Yeah. He shows up and his whole family is like, oh, so happy to see him. And he's like, well, I have one more thing to talk about. And he brings in this poor child. Like, did he kidnap him? Like, ah, I've got so many questions. And they immediately accept him without any, any, you know, conversation at all. And the the daughter does the face thing to him. To the poor little boy, and the little boy's like, yeah, this is fine. Touch my face. No! <laughs> I just lost my family and everyone I've ever known and loved. Yeah, it survived a huge, horrible, like... In a fucking gunfight. I watched yeah. them die while I listened to music on headphones. Yeah, yeah. But it's fine. See, the headphones erase the trauma. Yeah, apparently that headphone scene was wanted so much by John Woo... The studio wouldn't pay for it, so he paid for it out of his own money. I was like, okay. That makes sense. Sure. I believe it. He wanted he wanted to put like some really dramatic music there, like probably license the, the song and Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, they have replaced Oh, and and it's like an instant replacement too. The daughter's like, Oh yeah. Let's go show you your new room, you know? It's a good yeah. thing we can stop grieving the child we lost. It actually I mean, kind I think of it's makes, been a few years, but yeah. It's been six. Yeah. Yeah. And he's about the same age as the kid when they lost him, you know? Yeah. He's five. Um, in some ways, it really reminds me of the story of Job from the Bible. I don't know if you're super familiar with it, but, you know, it's basically like Job is set upon by God to test his faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, actually, I think it's supposed to be like, 
the devil? I'm sorry, I haven't read this in so, a long time. Now, fucking, I'm I'm an idiot. But um, I think it was like God and the devil made a bet. Right, like kind Job's of, right? Like, that's so, the idea. Yeah, like Job's life was so good. He's like, of course um, Job wants to follow you and is faithful yeah, course, to you. Yeah. Look at how great his life is. Yeah. So God's like made a bet with, with Satan. It was like, oh yeah, I bet, you know, I bet you I that bet he's if I fuck up me. Job's life, yeah. <laughs> he'll still love me. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And like they, you know, God does things like he takes away all of his cattle and all of his, mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, his land goes, you know, barren and, then, and whatever. And, and then, then the he kills testament. all of his children. Right. Right. He, and then he tells Job to kill the last one. His last no, remaining surviving son. Or is that Lot? Yeah, that's a different story. Ah, fuck. <laughs> that's I'll the just whole... edit that out so I look way smarter. Yeah. Well, it could be. Well, no, because I think he like, the, the point is like none of his children are named. He just had a bunch of offspring and they were all killed by God. Um, and so he like loses his entire family and his entire livelihood and all of his possessions. And he's still like, oh, God, I'm sure that there's a reason for this. It's probably not just that you're making bets. And um, and then in the end, you know, God wins the bet. And he's like, don't worry, Job. I will restore to you everything I took twofold. So, like, he gets all of his kids back and he gets all his land. And I'm like, people are not replaceable like that, right? Like, it's not like mm-hmm. you you lose your entire family and you get a new family and you're like, oh, thank goodness nothing ever happened. Yeah, that's what this made me think of. Like, oh. If you wanted a new kid so badly, just go fucking adopt one. You don't have to kill an international terrorist and steal his child. And so, like, I don't know. I feel like this film is it's pulled in so many hundred different directions that it makes no sense whatsoever. It really, like, there were moments of, of pure performance joy watching Nicolas Cage ham it up. But for the most part, it's just boring action sequences, dramatic scenes that make no sense. Where the stakes are weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's mentioned multiple times that Caster Troy likes to fuck people's wives. And so it's yep. a really like there's this huge like tension building moment. Like, oh God, is Caster Troy disguised as Archer going to fuck Archer's wife? And that's supposed to be like this huge driving thing. And the answer is like, yeah, of course. Of course, of he course he's going to do that. And then when, when that's going on, we're going to cut to Archer as Not. Nick Cage as Archer being sad about it as if he knows that that's what's happening. Uh, and like, where do you even start, Matt? Where and do then when you they, even when, start? When they finally, when they finally reunite, like the one of the first things that Archer's wife, whose character I, I don't even know the character's name, Doctor something, Doctor mm-hmm. Eve, Doctor uh, Archer. Her name's Eve. Eve, yeah. So Doctor Eve Archer is just like you know we've been living as man and wife for like a Over week a now, week. which is such a weird fucking way to say that. Yeah, it's like hey, I, I kind of. Fuck the guy who killed our son. And of course, Archer and he's just like, I know. for putting her in that position. Right. It's like, no, no, the, the issue is that she's traumatized, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, like, she has been violated and she's yeah. feeling a little out of sorts at the moment. She doesn't care literally, that you're okay with it raped, or that you're you know? sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I've got some scientific questions. Like, do face swaps involve genital swaps? You know? Like, they talked about removing the well, I mean, they the got rid of the scar the ad- on the abdomen. chest, so, like, yeah, I don't like, know. I also, 
And where did they source that fat? Did they just like Tyler Durden it or like <laughs> they took it from someone else? <laughs> like I'm pretty sure clearly you can't just, just like take fat from a guy and stick it in another guy. Yeah, clearly. Um and like this goes back to the clearly never been in a human relationship. You you can't have sex with one person and then another person even if they're in the same body and have it work out the same, right? Especially yeah. not when one is an international terrorist slash manho who's disgusting. Right. Like, oh my God, the worst scene in the whole fucking movie for me anyway, was when Nicolas Cage gets on the plane and mm. is talking to the stewardess. Right. And is like, would I you be grateful if I let you out. suck my tongue? And she's right. actually an FBI, um, person in yeah. whatever and Undercover, i think yeah yeah and i think the worst thing that ever happened to her aside from being killed was actually right. that like i think yeah. being killed was actually she less had to do bad. that and then she got killed yeah just fucking horrible like and you know the script definitely had suck my tongue as the original yeah clearly that's definitely how it was originally written they didn't change that well, for ratings. it's super gross also he's got a weird tongue thing because at the last scene when he's in john travolta's body he licks mm. john travolta's daughter's face yeah and he says something like what has papa got in the bag yeah. and that's just i can't do yeah. it it's so <laughs> gross I think the worst, like, Nick Cage is totally being Nick Cage, which makes sense, but no one is responding to him. It's oh, like yeah, he's yeah. a no ghost. Was, yeah. Like, in the first scene, when he interrupts the choir to go hit on a random woman who he says, your voice sounds so good, which you can't tell because it's a motherfucking choir. Everyone's right. voice is blending together. Um, he, like, grabs her ass and... Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Like he's being super weird and I'm like there's oh, no the way that no one would have said anything about that. Right? Like right. in the middle of priest. a convention center like with mm -hmm. tons of people around dressed as a priest. Yeah. 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 But all right. <laughs> Apparently John Woo uh, believes all authority figures can do whatever they want because they're authority figures. Apparently. Even if they're just dressed as an authority figure. Yeah. All it takes is a uniform, folks. Yep. Also, I have a question. So we have we have the only person in Troy Caster's life that he loves is his brother, his right? Brother Pollux. His brother Pollux. And apparently all of the names are symbolic in that it's a reference to Greek mythology. So yeah. Pollux and Castor are stars in the constellation gemini and they're both sons of zeus but they're half brothers and um the archer constellation is like the complete opposite of gemini or something there's all these like meanings that you can go mm -hmm. into and whatever and i'm like all right somebody read a book i get it and um yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's like, Hollywood screenwriting right. for you. Somebody read yeah. like one book. It was the only Somebody book they ever read, read and they have to like, put oh, it in the movie. This is so deep. And you even have like, yeah. oh, his wife's name is Eve and his new yeah. son's name is Adam and his old son's name is Michael. Whatever. Anyway. Yep. Um, yep. And so like this, this Pollux guy is a genius and designed this crazy bomb that's worth $10 million that they're going to use to blow up LA for some reason. 
no no reason is given other than the not, fact not that LA. LA. LA, yes. Because it's the other- 90s and LA is like literally the worst place on the planet, even though that's where all of them make all of their money. <laughs> exactly. Every uh- screenwriter and Hollywood movie maker, they all make all of their money in LA. They live in LA, but simultaneously LA is the worst place on earth. But they hate it. Yeah, and we get some sort of hand-waving explanation by Caster Troy about L.A. being, like, the worst of... Like, it's weird because it makes no sense, right? Like, if we're thinking that he's a chaotic, evil sort of person who just does what he wants that's bad, cool. But then he sort of gives some sort of explanation about not liking L.A.? I don't know, whatever. That's not even Like, there's definitely, like, a couple rewrites could have gotten this script to a very interesting place. (laughs) Or maybe fewer. With Troy being, like, kind of a fanatic. Like having yeah. a belief system and not just Any I'm evil because I'm evil. Belief system, you know, that's not like eating peaches, which is really just mm-hmm. code for having sex with women. I guess right. It's it's all very like everything's pre. It's very it's a very pre nine eleven movie. Yeah, um, like even just anyways, the idea of terrorism is very pre nine <laughs> eleven. Yeah, and how, like, nobody- this anti-terror unit has no money. Like, that wouldn't ha- – if you're an anti-terror movement, you basically have carte blanche to fucking put people Do whatever in you black want. site yeah. prisons all the time. Yeah. Invade everyone's privacy. Yeah. Okay, we're probably on a watch list now just because we're talking about this Yeah, movie. well – if I wasn't on a watch list from grad school where I Googled things like, how do you make heroin? I'm, I am now. So <laughs> um, to to make that make more sense, I have a master's degree in forensic toxicology. And so I was actually Googling it for school, not for personal use. That feels important to say. I've never done heroin. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the shoe tying thing. So like he ties his little brother's shoes because yeah. this guy who... It's it's can his design a multi million dollar yeah who can design a multi million dollar bomb can't tie his own shoes and so like after his brother dies you know John Travolta yeah. John Travolta's face but Castor Troy's heart <laughs> ties his brother's <laughs> shoes yeah I I think if if anyone hasn't seen this movie and they're wondering if they should no but if you have <laughs> to like maybe watch it at double speed or something like. It's a it's two hours and twenty minutes long, and it doesn't need to be. Or just like skip through the fight scenes; they're not important, yeah. and they don't add anything. Like action nowadays has been revolutionized by Matrix and much better movies. Like, yeah, like John Wick. Back in the day, all you had to have was a couple guns, and you were good. Yeah, it just doesn't fly now. Even just like the characterization of Caster Troy's character, where like. He's met at the airport with a briefcase that always has the same thing in it. These two absurdly oh, yeah. uh, overt guns that are gold and like a pack of chiclets and a couple of joints. And it's just like, why? Why was this movie made? I don't I don't get it. Also, why was this movie loved so much? So, well, I'll tell you why. It was, I'll give you 250 million reasons why this movie was made. <laughs> you make a good point. I just don't like it. Um, yeah, so... I will read a snippet of one review that I found enjoyable because this is one of the people who makes the most sense to me because everyone else was like, this is such a romp. What a great idea. Bra, 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 bra. What a great movie. Everyone should. Bra, bra, bra. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. 
So this is Barbara Schulgasser from the San Francisco Examiner. Bless you, Barbara. She called the movie idiotic and argued that a good director would choose the best of the six ways and put it in his movie. Wu puts in all six. And yes. If you keep your eyes closed during a Wu movie and open them every six minutes, you'll see everything you need to know to have a perfectly lovely evening at the cinema. And that's 100% yes. true. Yes, absolutely. He's like... He he's one of those authors who just doesn't edit, right? Like one of the mm-hmm. one of the rules about writing is you're supposed to like only keep eighty percent of what you've written, right? Like you got to kill your darlings, you got to cut stuff, you yeah. know, things that are things that are quick and um. It, it's a film that doesn't have a cohesive thesis as a result. No, it doesn't have a cohesive thesis. The plot makes no sense. None of the relationships ring true, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, they kind of, they get like 10% of the way there on like seven storylines, right? Yeah. Like the relationship between, uh, Sean and his wife, which is strained because they've lost a child. And honestly, most marriages end in divorce after something like that, right? Like a child Mm -hmm. loss is one of those things that. Yeah. The trauma is just just too much. It's, it's too fractured. It fractures the relationship. Um, and they've stuck together, but he's also, you know, hunting this man down. So he's still obsessed with it. Like that is his mm-hmm. new marriage, right? His yep. revenge plot against Whereas Caster Eve is Troy. clearly kind of like trying to move on. Yeah, she's trying to move on. She's like saying, you know, that we want therapy. She's writing in journals and they haven't had sex in two months or whatever. And I find it interesting that Caster Troy all of a sudden becomes a person who cares about the other person when he mm. is in John Travolta's body. Cause like he throws a date night, he gets lobster and like all of yeah. this fancy stuff. And he sets this table and he lights all these candles. I feel and- like it's like a half, it was like a, a very half hearted effort at like trying to do what Nick Cage was doing with his identity crisis and throw it mm-hmm. over to John Travolta's character right. where like, He's starting to appreciate aspects of like the other side of this of life and like the more traditional things. He's starting to feel fulfillment and value for being a provide like a father figure provider for his family. Mm -hmm. But they never go all the way with it. They never really explore it. It was just like a couple scenes and like yeah, that was the first ten percent of that storyline, right? Like it could have, it could have gone so much better, and it didn't. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, like there was the scene where the the scene where he pulls the 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 boy out of the car through the window. Yeah, she, like, so his, his daughter is in the car, and yeah. the guy's like trying to assault her in the car outside of her house, and she's screaming and fighting him off. And then he goes and he slams his he breaks the car window and pulls the guy out and makes him apologize or whatever. Yeah. Which then um, leads to the Chekhov's knife, which comes back later. Yes. And- and the thing I hate about that that scene, too, is he's like, here's this knife. And, of course, it's just one of those stupid butterfly knives that everyone thought was cool in the night. Butterfly knives are cool. Shut up. I know, I Matt. Knives. I'm specifically calling you out. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, or you do, like, the, the switchy flippy thing, and you're like, look at it. It's moving around so much, during which time you will have been shot several times. Anyway, uh, and so he gives her this knife. Never bring a gun to a knife. <laughs> And, um, yeah, he hands her this knife and he says, next time, I can't remember the kid's name, like, the guy. You 
Uh, next time he tries to do something, you just wait until his pants are down and you stab him in the thigh. And I'm like, how about we tell your daughter not to hang out with that guy? Right? Like, how about we just don't see him anymore? I mean, this is Troy. Yes, obviously. And that's also when we get the line about if you dress up like Halloween, you are going to have all the ghouls trying to sleep with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Halloween, you're going to attract some ghouls. Which is so weird because he is the ghoul. He's the one who does that to every woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he is that guy. He's the peaches guy. Yeah, he grabs every woman's ass and says things like hallelujah or makes weird faces. And so I think it makes his character even worse that he knows and has that knowledge that, you know, mm-hmm. that's a thing because he's self-aware about it and still does it mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Well, he's so. exploring. He's exploring the fatherhood angle. Seeing she's trying it on. See yeah, how it fits. Like for a him. new face. <laughs> like a new face. Yeah. Just want to take my face off. Also, why would they have developed this face switching technology in the first place? Like, is this in use a lot? Because they had very specific equipment, namely the face vacuums. I think the the face switching thing is like just some sort of knock on effect of Operation Paperclip, you know, where we just took a bunch mm. of like Nazi German scientists <laughs> and like brought them over, and one was like, "You know what I really like to do with the face? Take it off. I take the face off, and we switch. You know, we did it once with this guy. He had a mustache, and, a dog. and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no side effects whatsoever." Also, the part where Nick Cage keeps saying face off, face off, face off. That was mm. only supposed to happen once. And apparently Nick Cage kind of got in his own head about it or something and did oh, it like yeah, a million yeah. times. And it got into the movie. <laughs> I'm going to take his face off. And that's even a little bit too weird for his normal gang. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so good. So ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think the weirdest thing about this movie is it received such acclaim and got so popular like it was actually uh it had a 100 percent fresh rating on rotten tomatoes for years which is mm. weird yeah also it came out around the time of some really good movies like it came out in 97 which also yep. had titanic jurassic park men in black goodwill hunting the Full mm-hmm. Monty, The Fifth Element, and Jackie Brown. And this movie still somehow did so well. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it did lose out to sound editing to Titanic, but... I mean, you don't beat Titanic 97. Yeah, you don't. You, you can't beat James Cameron when he wants to dig up a boat, so... You're right. He <laughs> gets obsessed <laughs> with something, you're fucked. Yeah, he's like, oh, man, Pocahontas in uh, space. Cool, cool, cool. Man, I will um, say, they wasted... Two of their really good, like some of the best, some actors I really enjoy, uh, it got kind of wasted in this film. Um, Robert Wisdom and CCH Pounder. Um, they play the, the two. They they were the FBI agent bosses who died. Um, oh when yeah. So Robert um, Wisdom, like I know him from The Wire. I was just gonna say, Bonnie. yeah, he's in The Wire, and he's so good. And in fact, after he's watching so this movie, good. I told Aaron I want to watch The Wire again because yeah. if you and haven't seen The Wire, Pounder. oh, sorry, really good. The Wire's really good. The end. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, CCH Pounder, uh, like I mostly know her from Warehouse 13, but she does like a ton of like really fun nerdy roles and like mm-hmm. 
voice a lot of voice acting um and all kinds of stuff yeah um, she, I, I really liked her character in warehouse 13 but like those characters felt so wasted because they die in like act one and it's like yeah. man you've got these two not to mention like the only two like major like people of Black color characters, characters in yeah. the film at all well you had you had the Asian woman who worked at the FBI who very side character. Yeah, who made the stick up the butt reference. I hope they all feel really bad they that they liked the murderous terrorist version of him better than the other yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like they're like, oh, he's such a loser. <laughs> they're like, oh. Yeah. Now they don't talk about it, you know? Like they're sitting there with the drinks and just like, oh my God, I can't believe I suck up. They're sitting yeah. at night. It's going to haunt them for years. <laughs> like, why did I say that? Yeah. The whole department heard me. <laughs> Everyone uh, thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, hmm. Um, another thing that the movie tried to do to be all symbolic and whatnot were the blood types. So Sean Archer had a blood type of O, which is a universal mm. donor. And Castor Troy had AB, which is a universal acceptor. You know, like he can only yeah. take everything and not give to anyone, and oh, can only right. give to everyone and not take anything. And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 yes. I don't know yep. that I have a whole lot more to say about this movie. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, there's really no reason to go through. Like, it, it, there's definitely some weird ideas about like the whole teenage daughter thing, the fucking each other's wife thing. Like, it's all very fucking bizarre. There's like weird fasci ideology about authoritarianism, like kind of like how authority basically is carte blanche to do whatever it wants. FBI can just go kill a bunch of people and the worst it results in is a bunch of fucking paperwork. And also it's um, a good idea, right? Like, yeah, it's a good idea because there are bad guys like Castor Troy out there fucking your wife and killing your kid. Yeah. Do you do you think that people who are bad guys just to be bad guys exist as much as media would have us believe? Oh, certainly not as much as media would have you believe. I do know that there are definitely some like really I've worked I I know personally or have worked with personally in my past, like people who are just like straight up crooks. Like how they do, get how do they you get think a thrill from it. Get from here or get from being like a two year old child to being a, something like that. I mean, largely like I imagine largely abuse and neglect and like there's mm -hmm. definitely societal things that could help yeah, reduce that's the amount of that that exists in the world. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's always going to be people greedy, people who want power. <sighs> Just not nearly as much as, like, media would have you believe. That's, like, what yeah. I think. Like, I think those whether people are or not. Rare. Yeah, I think whether or not it's just me being idealistic and stubborn about it. I think that ultimately people are good and are frequently turned into something because of desperation. Mm. Um, like I don't think I don't think children are born wanting to hurt other things or other people necessarily. Um, but I could be wrong. But I don't want to be wrong, so whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna choose not to believe that. Um I don't think people yeah. are good or bad. I think people are people. Yeah, I guess that's fair. We do we do try to remove ourselves from our own biology a lot, right? Mm. Like by by constructing these these moral fences. Right. And you see that a lot in everything. Right. At the end of the day, we're just primates who are um, ahead of ourselves, really. Right. You know, like we've constructed these monkeys these huge... that somehow tricked a rock into thinking by hitting it with lightning. Yeah. And we have no idea. We're just fumbling around monkeys with typewriters, monkeys making with Shakespeare. Typewriters, making Shakespeare. 
Yeah, like we are, we're equal parts devastatingly horrific and violent and kind of genius, you know, like with our creation and our, I don't know, our ability to connect and communicate like the internet. What a great and horrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, should it be a thing? Probably. I, uh, depends on the day you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, yes, I do like endless videos of cute cats. Also, you know, the alt-right. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, one more thing I have to say, which is the fact that the prison was called Erewhon, which is nowhere backwards, annoys the hell out of me. That is just lazy <laughs> writing. Lazy writing, you know? That's mm-hmm. like a, it's like James Cameron's avatar calling it <laughs> the element unobtainium. I'm like, unobtainium. all right, you know what? I'm pretty sure they're not even the only movie that's used that word unobtainium. Probably not. It's just ridiculous. I I think I still want to explore the weird wife fucking thing. Like, okay. I don't want to hand wave it away. I. It's really, really weird because the way that Caster Troy uses it, it's very much in a possessive sort of way, right? Like oh, wives absolutely. are really just property right like it's something not else people. that he can take yeah something he can take they're not people even though he kind of treats her like a people in person uh, as and a bit of a manipulation yeah i think it and all stems jo- from john woo's like weird relationship with his own masculinity maybe yeah maybe so so i'm trying to think about john travolta's character like sean archer's response to the fact that his uh his wife was like because that was a huge part of nicholas cage's like mm-hmm. attempt to torture him right because yeah, was, yeah like, it was yeah. a big part of the dramatic tension for part of act two like it was a yeah. huge deal like, it, oh, it motivated no. most of them oh most of that kind of beginning of act two yeah which is you know there's so many bigger things going on right like I don't know, the fact that there is a bomb and that's the whole reason we're doing this, y'all, you know, that's going to destroy mm-hmm. all of L.A., which seems really unimportant for most of the movie. And he's still like, oh, no, but my wife, who, you know, I haven't slept with in two months because I'm too busy hunting this other man, right. is now going to have sex with this other man. Why? Why would you like... As if two months was a long time for a grieving couple to not have sex. Yeah, Exactly. Or even just a couple who've been married for 20 years, you know, like, all right, it's just a thing, you know, these things happen in cycles. But even just Castor Troy's decision to put himself into John Travolta's life is weird to me, right? Oh, yeah. Like, no, it doesn't make sense. He could have just gone the fuck away. But no, he Mm -hmm. had to stay around and mess with stuff. He could have put on a new face and like been Castor Troy on a new face and no one would have known. No one would have known bounced to another country yeah yeah again it's just one of those things don't make no sense there's a lot of this movie it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense, any sense. In, like in i want to i want to dig into it and figure out the grossness but it's yeah. just like general not even thought out grossness. i just don't think there's anything there to dig into like it's all very yeah. surface level yeah you know? even the grossness is surface level yeah. women are possessions to be it's, it's very garden variety misogyny you know, it's misogyny you can pick up at any uh, big box store. I mean, I think the weird thing is, uh, probably at the time, in 97, it wasn't even considered that weird or misogynist. Oh, to, That would be the weird thing, you know? 
to look yeah. at. It's like, oh, in the 90s. Like, yeah, of course. You don't want fucking your wife. That's your wife. That's what kind of man wife. are you if you got people fucking your wife? That's that's what you fuck, not not other people. Yeah, that's for your dick. <laughs> not I'll his switch. tongue. Oh. <laughs> the tongue sucking thing. It's just so gross. I can't get over it. I cannot get over it. Ugh. 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 So thank you everyone for joining us as we talk about this absurd movie today. This has been Medium Salt with Matt and Kate. You can find us at our website, mediumsalt.com. We should be on every podcast streaming service possible. If we are not, please drop us a line to let us know at info at mediumsalt.com. And you can find us also on Discord. We have our own server. If you want to pop in and tell us what ridiculous movie we should watch next, we really appreciate you listening and we wouldn't be anywhere without you. Thank you so much. And also to the person who requested this episode a million times, we love you. Okay. Uh, Kate out. And as always, stay salty. Stay salty.